Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, and today we have on Jim White, who is the author of Opportunity Investing. And uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, pleasure to be here, Eric. Yeah. Now, I, you know, it was when I looked at the book, one of the first things that struck out at me, and I think a lot of the listeners would appreciate this too. You got a pretty nice uh, review uh, from Joel Greenblatt, who uh, is someone that I'm personally a, a huge fan of in the investment world. Yes, we did. Uh, we were we were very pleased. Uh, over the years, of, uh, you know, in the distance, uh, we have a uh, respect for each other, and we really appreciate his support. Great. So, tell us about tell us a little bit about you, and and then we can get into the book. Yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I am a. Uh, I'm always searching for the right word to use, but I'll just use serial entrepreneur if I put it that way. And often people say that to me. I would say, what What's that mean? But. Uh, when you become my age, I'm often said I'm 71 going on 28, but there's a lot of decades <laughs> that's, that's passed. So uh, I, I entered a, uh, the business world uh, through corporate uh, a Fortune 500 company, or so I ran in those days, and and ended up uh, leaving the company in 1980 and started buying and selling companies and uh, uh, all types of companies and ended up buying, selling, and turning around uh, 23 different companies, and we did business in 43 countries, and uh, uh, so uh, I had that magic, if you if you will, about what's it take to uh, go into a company and uh, analyze it in all cultures and uh, all industries and uh, buy them and do our magic and uh, add more value and uh, uh, continue to do that, and uh, so the last one I acquired, uh, a, a major su- a substance, was a company in Belgium called ACP, ASAC Centrifugal Pumps, which was a 100-year-old manufacturing company, manufactured pumps for the oil and gas industry, and had 33% of the OPEC market, and like I said, we did business in 43 countries, and uh, ended up selling it in 1991, and um, um, Lack of a better thing to do, I started responding to requests to speak to different executive teams around the world. How did you do this deal? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> My apology. No worries. Uh, how, how did you do this deal? And uh, all of a sudden, I realized I had another business in the making. So I started uh, uh, Jail White International, which was a consulting company, and I developed a curriculum. Uh, called Circle Success and uh, very niche, and uh, we 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 develop a uh, extremely niche market uh, for turnarounds. Uh, companies that were uh, looking to get started, or pre-IPO, or looking for an exit, or acquisition, and leadership development, project management, and uh, so I built that over a 25-year period of time, and uh, up to 167 consultants around the world. And uh, started writing books in uh, 2007, and uh, this book is my uh, number seven that I've, that I've released. And so I'm an avid student, and, uh, and so Opportunity Invested uh, 
was released in March of, of, of this year. And, uh, and I'm currently the CEO and chairman of uh, 13 different companies uh, and, and t- today. So that's a little little background. So I'm, I'm pretty pretty busy boy these days. Just just a little bit. Now, what is your your background in learning how to turn around companies and deal with all kinds of people? Was that something that you kind of just learned on the job, or were, did you were there things you did when you were younger that you know allowed you to develop those kinds of skill sets, or is it a mix of both? What what a great question! <laughs> what a great question! You know, um, most people just go, "I'm going to go and you know." you know, working yeah. in corporate culture and transform companies. And, you know, so you know, how to ask. Yeah. What, what a wonderful question. Um, I've often, uh, uh, used this terminology. Uh, I was, I was a throwaway kid, if you will, uh, rural South Carolina, uh, and, uh, very, very young and, uh, uh, five years old, as a matter of fact, and, uh, anybody that would, uh, take me and my siblings, uh, uh, take us in. And, uh, so I learned the survival gene to six, seven years old. So I, I don't know. Is this something within the, uh, when you when you're hungry, regardless of what the age, and it's amazing when I start talking about having at six or seven years old to understand that uh, uh, that uh, things weren't quite right. So uh, so I've, I've always had it, and I've worked hard in the military. <clears throat> the military, I, I, I give the uh, military a lot of credit. I, I'm a combat veteran from two tours of Vietnam in the '60s. And uh, a lot of my training, I, uh, I, uh, I, I give credit to the military training. And, uh, and then uh, it's just uh, natural. I'm just curious. And uh, uh, I started studying uh, every book that I could uh, get my hands on. I uh, went to school when I got out of the Army. I have a civil engineering degree. Uh, and then I went on to the corporate world and Curiosity, and I started developing that knack in the corporate world of uh, being sent to underperforming uh, parts of the country and then around the world. Uh, so I just started, uh, uh, just started learning and all the different creative ways and financing and structuring deals and uh, culture, and I became so so intrigued by human behavior. I think I was 53 when I went back to school and uh, uh, and ended up getting my PhD in psychology and organizational behavior, and so uh, and also went back to school and uh, English R N sent me to school and studying and have my MBA as well. But I'm street smart, and the degrees are fantastic. Uh, part of the process of adding more credibility, if you will. Sure. But it's just been uh, self-talk, curiosity. I'm always pushing the uh, the old thing. Who wrote the book? Well, maybe I should write the book. Uh, it's always another way or better way to do things. So, a natural curiosity and a lot of study and a lot of experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. So. You write this book called Opportunity Investing. It just came out. Congratulations, by the way, on the new book. Thank you. And so Thank tell you. us a little bit about, well, first of all, tell us about what the book's about and kind of how you came to write it, and then we can dive into, you know, get into the sure. weeds a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, opportunity Investing 
uh, came about as a result of the December 2017 uh, 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 Jobs Act. And the Jobs Act, uh, there was a section, I think page 158 of the act, and a lot of people said, Jim, what do you do in reading the IRS code? And uh, I said, yeah. And there's a section in there that jumped out at me and said, opportunity zones and opportunity investing. Well, I was intrigued, in, intrigued uh, because I've always been through my turnaround, uh, always looking for different investment vehicles, if you will, uh, to be able to uh, continue to invest and uh, move projects forward. So I started looking at the uh, looking at the legislation. Uh, legislation uh, was very unclear, very broad language by Treasury and the IRS. Uh, so 2018 came about, uh, language started being created from Treasury, still pretty vague. Uh, but what caught my attention was this. Opportunity zones were created by Treasury and state governments, the, uh, the, it's just say the governor of each state. And it was based on the census tract and uh, the definition of an opportunity zone. If a census tract, the average income falls below 50% of the average of that particular tract. That was qualified as distress. So I started looking at these different zones, and currently there's over 8,700 zones in the United States. So I started looking at said, well, what's in these zones? What could we do to invest in these zones? Well, part of the <clears throat> part of the act and put uh, an incentive strictly for capital. Uh, uh, capital gains taxes. So I started looking at it, and the rules uh, went like this. It says, if you have capital gains, you can invest it in a qualified opportunity fund. Now, a fund is a self-certifying fund, and you must invest in a have, have money in a fund, and that money in the fund uh, has a certain amount of time. It's very detailed in the weeds of what Treasury says, how many days you have in order to deploy that capital into a project. And I'm going to use the project loosely. The project can be real estate. It could actually be uh, buying another company, or new issue of stock, uh, infrastructure, uh, all types of opportunities, asset classes within these, uh, these zones. And if you invest in the fund, and if you keep the money in the fund for five years, you can reduce your capital gains by 10%. And you don't have to pay the taxes due until tax time 2027. So that was very good incentive. Then it went on to say, if you keep your money in the fund for 10 years, all the appreciation from the fund is then is tax free. Well, I was intrigued by that. Uh, I was intrigued by that. And uh, so we started doing more research, uh, become more complex. So in April of 2019, I decided to take on writing the book. So I wanted to take this complex subject, wanted to be able to give a roadmap uh, to potential investors also have a roadmap to say, I'm going to say local 
community leaders. And, and I'm also going to use the word impact investors as well mm-hmm. uh, to say, here is, here's an opportunity. And looking through the research, we come to find out we've got over $6 trillion in unrealized capital gains. And I said, if we could educate uh, investors, not only high net worth individual, institutional, certain REITs, uh, all of the investment classes, and uh, make them aware of these opportunities. But projects must be, I use the term real projects, right? Uh, a lot of people will talk to him and say, Jim, I got this project. I said, well, you got to really have a solid business plan. You got to have some experience. You got to have some credentials uh, before you get an investor look at you. So there's no cut into the front of the line. There's no quick fixes here. It's just got to be a solid, solid project. But if it is a solid project, then here's some incentives. I'm saying with these incentives, if we can get that capital deployed into these zones, which prior to the pandemic, there was over 35 million Americans that live in these zones. And now we have the unemployment that's going on, and I'm certain that that's going to increase. Uh, so that's what got me in, in, intrigued in that research and, uh, and what more incentive to do it. Uh, one of my companies, which is in Salinas, California, uh, started in 1936 in the ag industry, and we do a process called pre-cooling, and we have storage, uh, co-storage. So you bring the vegetables, you pre-cool it, you put it in the storage, and uh, started doing the research, and our campus, as we refer to it, happened to be located in a qualified opportunity zone. So I said, interesting. And so... Campus needs to be updated. Uh, so for the past two years, we've been working on master planning. The, we have our own fund that we set up, and it's a $150 million project, and we're going to be uh, kicking that project off in the 2021. So so that's where it started from the Tax Act of 2017. Very complex. Wrote the book. I also wanted the book to be an additional roadmap for any individual that was thinking about going to investors, I wanted to lay out a section in the book. This is what you should do if you're going to be successful. This is how you should be looking at running these companies. This is how you're gonna make successful. And that's based on my many years of experience of buying and turnaround companies. Interesting. So if I you know walk walk our listeners through this. If you are a mm-hmm. you know an individual high net you know say high net worth individual and mm-hmm. you find this intriguing, you know, the, you know, from mm-hmm. just, even just from a tax perspective, it's very intriguing. How does one go mm-hmm. about, you know, starting to allocate capital towards these kinds of opportunities? Yeah. What, what's occurred in the past few years, there are funds that are being developed. And uh, I first say to that particular investor, what, you know, Look for the asset class that you're comfortable with, right? I'm not asking, don't reinvent, if it's real estate, if it's whatever it is. And then search out that fund and then see what that fund has ready for investment. In other words, shovel ready, if you will, or what do they look and invest in it? Mm-hmm. So far, Eric, a lot of the funds have been what I call real estate forward looking, if you will, a lot of real estate uh, transactions. And then I am saying in 
my book and, and even in our fund, even though we have real estate investments, I am saying you can also look at a fund. Are they doing impact investing? Are they, uh, we, we have a, I have a colleague, it's in Newark, New Jersey, that uh, worked with Cory Booker when he was mayor, uh, which is actually, Senator Booker was one of the co-sponsors with, uh, uh, with Tim Scott on this bill. Uh, uh, and bipartisan approach, uh, which is a concept these days, uh, to be able to move this forward. So they created in Newark what's called a teacher's village. And this teacher's village is the combination of uh, housing, uh, retail, mixed use, and et cetera. So that's one such project. So uh, for an investor, what's your asset class, what's your interest, uh, search out the fund and see what they're invested in and obviously do your research on who's running the fund with their experience level. And uh, so it's, it's kind of like to a la carte, if you will. What, what, do you, what are you looking to – how would you like to make an impact and plus make some above-average returns that are, uh, in most cases, really backed by solid assets that you can kick and touch, if that makes sense? Totally. Now, I know you can obviously – I'm just going to make a full disclosure. You know, you can't promise any kind of specific return. But in your yeah. experience, what kind of returns have you seen from this kind of investing? Uh, from the real estate side, I'm seeing uh, 8, 9, 10, 13, 14% uh, under some, some, some conditions. And as you say, we, we always got to be very careful of that. We can't guarantee any of course of that. not, yeah. Uh, but what we're looking at, and I'm saying especially from the real estate and especially for some of the businesses that we're invested in, uh, you need to be looking for those type of returns. So if you look at those type of returns, you look at the tax benefits, it becomes pretty attractive. And in your fund, what's your, do you have a personal hurdle for your fund? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm, I like to be returning 13% for okay. uh, internal rate of return per annum. Got it. And sorry to cut you off. So you were, you were saying – no, that's that's good. Um, I'm not sure what I was saying oh, there. It's okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, and when you so how do you how do you source these deals? Like where where are you looking? Where are you looking for opportunity and investment? You know what's what's a day in the life of, of Jim White uh, when you are looking for potential investments to make? Right now, my interest is in the industrial warehouse, cold storage warehouse space. Okay. Uh, that is my primary interest right now for our fund. Why is that? Uh, I'm sorry? And why is that? Why, why is that? Yeah. Um, the industrial warehouse co-storage side of the business has probably been the hottest asset class even pre-COVID-19. So you've got, you, you got the food chain. So anything to do with food has got to have pre-cooling, meaning take the heat out of it and store it. So there's a tremendous demand and uh, for that. There's not enough facilities in the United States. The facilities that are in the United States, the majority of them, the average age is 45 to 50 years old. So they need to be improved to satisfy better food safety, if you will. And then the other aspect I call food security uh, is as well. 
So th that's our interest, and that's one of our interests because that's what one of our companies really know what to do really well. So I, I stay in the field that I know well, right? Yep. And uh, so, so that's one. The other thing that we're looking at, manufacturing. Anything to do in, in industrial man, uh, manufacturing uh, equipment, uh, such as pre-cooling equipment. Uh, other things that we're looking at right now uh, is in the infrastructure, uh, because we all know uh, infrastructure in the United States is challenged, roads, bridges, dams, et cetera. So anything to do in infrastructure, uh, we're looking for, for those type of investments. Uh, uh, specifically, anything in concrete related, because concrete requires a certain amount of cooling methodology, and that's we have equipment that we manufacture, one of my companies that we manufacture design that equipment to satisfy that. So, so again, we're, we're staying with the areas that we, that we really know. Anything in doing industrial, uh, 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 real estate, uh, we're looking at some housing as well, uh, only to uh, support some low-income housing to support workforce in our particular geographics. So that's the class that we're looking at. And day in the life of Jim Wine is always talking to people about uh, about why they should invest because it's not not a sexy asset class, if you will. Right. Well, that's why we're called the Intelligent Investing Podcast, not the uh, you know. Sex, sexy investment podcast. So we've talked <laughs> about we, some, sometimes the most boring kinds of things are the most interesting uh, on this show. So <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I actually, where boring is sexy is, is, is how I like to put it. So, yeah, um, yeah or, or as Warren Buffett says, he likes to watch paint dry. So I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> What, yeah, it's better what language than what I use. I get it. I, I agree. What what is, what is your actual research process in sourcing these deals? Where do you actually go to, you know, look at potential opportunities? Majority of our opportunities are word of mouth. Okay. Right now, uh, for the opportunity itself, and then for our investment base, uh, we we just uh, focus on. Uh, those firms that are interested or has a track record in that particular class, we don't we don't go out and uh, uh, just shoot in the you know in the big old open space. Or we get very targeted uh, to people and our research uh, that we use and a lot of a lot of the databases. But primarily, it's word of mouth and referrals. Interesting. Uh, and how do you see? Um, you know, so this Jobs Act, have you seen it actually fulfill the intention that these opportunity zones have actually made a difference in these communities? Have you, have you, have you seen that? Yes. And it's selective, Eric. Uh, there are certain areas that it's done well. Okay. Uh, there's other areas that we can stand improvements. Uh, there is, uh, uh, there's certain Rules that uh, that needs to be improved with the initiative, uh, and uh, there's a uh, entity that um, that we're a coalition member. We use that term with it's called Economic Innovation Group, uh, which is actually wrote the first white paper that intrigued uh, Senator Booker and Senator Scott to entertain this concept. Uh, 
and uh, we work closely with them for his legislation, what we need to change, what we need to improve. And then we can fast forward to the environment we in, or we're in right now. Uh, and uh, what do we see in, in this uh, COVID-19 environment? Well, I say to people, there's not a better opportunity than now to be looking at investing uh, in these qualified opportunity zones than, than the present uh, for the unemployment, uh, huge opportunities. And we're getting a lot of activity right now. Uh, there's a lot, lot of interest, and there's been a lot of interest in single-family single, single family housing, believe it or not, as is, is well. No, I, of, I, I, of, believe of it. I believe it for sure. Yeah, been a lot of interest there, Eric. So, so it's it's again it's the we've been around so long that uh, uh, deals will come to us. Uh, uh, I'm sure to get some point in time where we're going to have to start going out actively looking for deals. But right now we're blessed where they find us and we do the due diligence. All right. For someone who wants to uh, put money towards this though, where they haven't been in this you know field for so long. Uh, how would you recommend people getting started to look at potential deals? My advice would be first and foremost, and uh, it can sound pretty basic, but don't get outside of the areas that you're not comfortable investing in. Right. So what asset class are you very comfortable with? And, uh, and, and invest in, in first make that and then start searching out the, the funds. Uh, unlike, our what I commonly refer to as our traditional investment uh, vehicles. Uh, there's the funds that are very specialized, and then there's some diversified firms funds as well. So they start, uh, you know, going to our database and yep. searching. Uh, uh, what are you looking for, right? Uh, what, what do you want to invest in, and? Uh, and uh, start looking looking at that, and that is a little challenge right now. And it's one of the weaknesses that we have as as an industry. It's been pretty pretty challenging to be able to get a database for all the funds uh, to report into. And so that's one of the initiatives now. And we've been working with some of our colleagues, uh, and I use colleagues, and some people use them competitors where we're saying we need to make it easy for people to go find a fund so they can start having a conversation with whatever fund it is. And people will come to us with ask a question, and we have no hesitation. If it's not for us, we'll pass them on to another fund for to go look at uh, what, what they're doing. But good place to start, uh, you know, we can go to our website as well, and uh, phdopportunityfund.com, and they can uh, – we got some resources there that uh, – only there to help people kind of navigate where to go next if they're interested in any fund. But not us. We've got plenty of other resources to refer our competitors from there as well. Now, what I'll, what I'll do is once this is published, um, I will put links to any resources um, on okay. the, in, in the show notes that, you know, so if you could email me after and, uh, you know, we'll do that for the listeners. Sure. Okay. Happy to. Great. Happy to. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, obviously we could probably talk about this stuff for five hours, but and just to be responsible for time, is there 
Is there anything in particular that you think would be really worth um, diving a little bit deeper to? You know, I really just wanted this to be an overview of what you do in your book, and you know, to share resources if people want to learn more. But is there anything specifically that you want to, you would like to dive a little bit uh, deeper into? You know, I would like to say to our fellow investors that have not looked at the impact investing side, mm-hmm. take a, take another look at it okay. <laughs> because uh, we there's so much that we can do as an investor group, uh, not only to uh, create great projects, but impact communities. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very delicate to walk a fine line of, of, of the current culture. I mean, we, we, we got some challenges in the United States, and yeah. I think that uh, individuals and can do a lot uh, to help mitigate some of the challenges we have by making the right investments in the right community. And I'm not saying it's a giveaway. I'm saying it's going to be a good project, but yeah. I would in- I'd like for our investors to dig deeper, look at the opportunity and see if, it's, if it's, see if it fits what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, Jim, if uh, for people who want to get more information, um, you know, is there, is there, an, or if they want to get in contact with you, is, you know, what's the best way for people to see what you're up to or to get more information about what, what you're doing? Best way would uh, go to our, our website and uh, phtopportunityfund.com, and then as far as my uh, books are concerned, authorjimwhite.com, authorjimwhite.com, and uh, feel free to. We're very responsive to all requests, and uh, so those two sources uh, welcome any inquiry, any question anyone may have. Okay, great. Well, Jim, it was uh, such a pleasure to uh, have you on and, and share about what you're doing. And I wish you, uh, you know, continued success. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for what you're doing. Uh, the work that you do is just uh, fantastic. So thank you for that, Eric. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, have a great day, Jim. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.